The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Jessica Click. My mom came to know the Lord uh, through a Billy Graham crusade. We were at church every time the doors were open, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I can remember a turning point one night is when my I came downstairs and my father wasn't home and he was in a, a fight um, and he got thrown in jail. And so through that, it came out that um, my father had a drinking problem and that he was a drug addict. I started just questioning everything. This is what Christianity is. This is what Christians do. You know, I, I started to question God and looked for love in all the wrong places. So that led to a string of relationships that were based purely on the physical. I happened to get a job at a place where uh, a young man named Tim Click was working and started out just hanging out. The relationship was, was a good friendship. Um, it quickly moved to a physical relationship. Two months after uh, we started dating, I found out that I was pregnant. We did decide together that we would seek to have an abortion. I remember that drive the first time. I can tell you all of the details. I remember in inside that something literally and figuratively died in me that day. Um, there was just a part of me that I knew I could never get back. Tim and I are still dating, but I was pretty sure that I deserved for him to leave me um, because I thought that I was a monster. We did remain together. Uh, he actually proposed and, and we were engaged uh, November of that year. In April of the following year, um, two months before our wedding, I found out that I was indeed pregnant again. This time I just made the appointment without even thinking. I don't remember anything about the second time. Um, I feel like that's probably the lowest point. Feeling that God wanted nothing to do with me, uh, that I was never going to be used for anything valuable. Yeah, church just got real. Real people living real lives and carrying real guilt real shame and very real baggage. You know, when I grew up in church, the phrase putting on your Sunday best, it wasn't just about your physical appearance. Yeah, we, we would dress differently on Sundays, but it was also about hiding the mess of our lives. Spiritually, we had to put on our Sunday best as well and pretend to be something we weren't we had to act like we had it all together, like we weren't carrying the labels or the hurts or the pain or the shame. You know, the person we were six days a week had to be suppressed. We had to hide the mess, the dirt, and the guilt. The truth is, no matter who we are today, our story is very, maybe very different from Jessica's, but guess what? We all know. We all have our our dark areas of our life, our mistakes, those, those things in our life that we really don't want other people to know about. In fact, so much so that we, we try to avoid even thinking about them ourselves. Like Jessica, we try to just kind of separate ourselves, feeling numb or, or as though we, we didn't, it wasn't even us doing it. And we try and rationalize things away, almost like an out-of-body experience, blaming circumstances or situations or, or uh, something else. They, it, it, but it wasn't really me. I, I, made the, I did the action, but it wasn't really me. Yes, I, I stole something, but, but I'm not a thief. 
Yes, I, I cheated somebody, but, but I'm not a cheater. Yes, I, I, I got angry. I got too angry. I blew up, but, but I'm not a mean person. Yes, yes, I, I, I gave in to my urges, but, but I'm not an addict. It's as though we're saying, yeah, I, I know I broke the law, but I'm not a criminal. But you know what the challenge is that when we really face our dark areas is that that's actually who we really are. You can't, the first is not, if the first is true, so is the second one. If you break the law, that is the definition of a criminal. And that, but then if we do that, we feel like we're tied to these labels of our past. Like they're a weight that just won't let go, the anchor pulling us down. And so we feel stuck, stuck to the labels of the past stuck to the guilt and the shame that we carry from things we've done, from things other people have done. We just feel stuck. Pastor Patrick last week kicked off the comeback series by introducing us to a man named Saul who we're studying in this comeback series, a man who understood what it meant to be stuck with the labels of the past. See, uh, as we learned last week, Saul was a man whose mission in life was to hunt down and murder innocent people. He was an executioner. He hunted down people whose only crime was to love Jesus and to love other people. And he would hunt them down. He was an angry murderer and he rationalized it away. Yeah, no, it's not my anger, it's not my hatred towards people that causes me to do this. I'm a zealot who's defending the Roman Empire. And he would rationalize it away, but the fact is, in the end, he was an angry murderer. And Jesus appeared and confronted him as he was heading towards the city of Damascus to hunt down and kill some more Christians with the full authority of the Roman government behind him. And Jesus confronted him there, as we read about last week, and on that road. And Saul became blinded by his encounter with Jesus, physically blind after his encounter with Jesus. But, you know, the story of Saul doesn't end there. Okay? Saul had to face it. And this is where Saul felt stuck. You want to talk about being stuck with the labels of what you used to be? Yeah. So Jesus says to Saul, go ahead on into the city, into Damascus, and go to the church there, right? Well, now, here is the, here's Saul. He's blind. He can't do anything for himself. He is completely and totally at the mercy and care of the very people he was hunting down to murder. Worse yet, they know who he is, and they know he was coming to town to hunt them down and murder them. You want to talk about being met with some suspicion because of your past? I can imagine if I'm one of those people, I'm going like, yeah, I really believe your story. I really believe you. Yeah, you're blind and you met Jesus on the road. You know, you're not here just to kind of smoke us out so you can murder us, are you? Oh, no, you wouldn't do that. You angry murderer, you executioner. I don't know if they said that out loud, 
but they were human beings, so uh, they thought it, and Saul knew they were thinking it. So God sent a man named Ananias to go pray with Saul. And I can imagine Ananias' first thought must have been similar. If I was Ananias, I would probably have laughed a little bit, like, <laughs> good one, God. Go find the guy trying to kill me. That makes perfect sense, God. You know, that would have been my reaction. Maybe Ananias was a better person than I am. Um, but God sent Ananias in, and we're going to read this part of the story. So we're going to pick it up here. Acts chapter 9, verse 17 through 19 is the encounter uh, between Ananias and Saul at this point. And so I'm going to pick up with verse 17. Here's what it says. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What we see here is Saul had experienced on the road to Damascus, a radical, sorry, a radical life-changing experience. His encounter with Jesus became a before and after. But the proof, the proof is in his encounter with Ananias here. With the very first word out of Ananias' mouth dropped all of Saul's labels. He was no longer murderer Saul. What's the first word Ananias said? Brother. And then he immediately followed it up by saying, I know you met Jesus on that road. He was saying, look, I know you're not lying. I can see in you that you have had a complete life-changing experience, encounter with Jesus. So what we see in Paul is that Paul was no longer the person he once was. And it's important to note that Jesus didn't appear to Saul on that road to destroy him, to get back at him. Instead, he appeared on that road to change Paul, to make Saul into Paul, to change Saul to something brand new. And that's today's big idea. Today's big idea is this, be made new. See, God wants the same for you and I today in our lives, right here, right now, that we would be made new. When we allow ourselves to be paralyzed by the labels of the past, by the guilt and shame that we carry, whether it's from our own mistakes, our own darkness, or from things that happen to us, we, we become like Saul when he had the scales over his eyes. We, we, we know what we've experienced, but at the same time, we're blinded because we feel so trapped and so stuck and so tied to what we once were. Saul later on became known, Saul the murderer later on became known as Paul the apostle. He changed, he became one of the greatest church planters ever. And one of the churches that he started was in a city called Corinth. Because eventually he became a leader there in the church and they sent him out to start these churches. And 
he would write letters back to the churches that he began. And, and we actually have some of those letters even still today. And, and we look at them as, as books of the New Testament in the Bible. And uh, two of those letters he wrote were the books of First and Second Corinthians. And he wrote them to the church in Corinth. And so this morning, we're going to read from the book of Second Corinthians, which is, again, one of the letters of, that Paul sent to the church in Corinth. And I want to read from chapter 5, verse 14 through 17. Here's what it says. It says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And the key there is when we say all died, it means our past has died. And he died for all, that those who now live, who live, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. And here's the beautiful words coming from a man who understood better than anybody what it meant to be stuck with the guilt and shame and labels of the past. Here it comes, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Like our first birth, Jesus wants to give us a new birth. He wants us to be reborn. He wants to give us a new identity. He wants to change who we are. Saul the murderer became Paul the apostle. Jesus is not, you know, Saul was no longer defined by who he once was, but by who God had made him into. He had been made new. Jesus is not defined by the fact that he died on a cross. He's defined by that he died on a cross and then rose again. Jessica shared her testimony earlier, but that was just part one. We see the guilt and the shame she was carrying, but the good news is there's a part two today. And so we're going to take a moment and listen to part two of Jessica's testimony. We remained together uh, three years into our marriage. I found out that I was pregnant again, and of course, everything's set up right. We're married. It's fine. Eight months after Ian was born, I was pregnant again. Isaac is our second son and he was born early and I thought, well, this is it. This is God. He's going to take this baby and, and I deserve that. He was fine. He spent nine days at the NICU uh, and he was fine. So it was about when they were three years old, my husband and I decided that they, we should take the kids to church. It just so happens that the first Sunday back, there was a couple standing on the platform and she went on to share and her testimony was she grew up in church. She knew all the right answers, turned her back on the Lord and had two abortions. So she talked about over the years, she thought that she was fine but she had gone through a forgiven and set free Bible study and she now knew that she was free. And there was something inside of me that, that was craving that. I, I wanted to be free, but I didn't think I could be forgiven. So I sought her out after the service to see where I could get this freedom and forgiveness. And she had spoken of this forgiven and set free Bible study. One Sunday morning, there was a pastor that had come to the church and he started to share the gospel. He said, somebody here needs to hear the gospel. So on October 7th, 2007, that 
gospel was shared for me. I asked the Lord to forgive me for all that I had done, that I had made such a mess of my life, and I asked, asked Him to be in charge. I never wished or thought that a part of my life would, would involve abortion, but I know that God has used that, whether it's there at the pregnancy center counseling young girls who are seeking abortion, or sharing a testimony in a church or a youth group, just to have people come up and say, you know what, I'm hiding this sin, I'm struggling with this sin, and, and it's through that that God has shown off, um, that He's shown His glory, that nothing's too big that He can't forgive. And I know that through that, Tim and I came to Christ, um, and I'd like to believe that one day I'll be able to hold my children in heaven. If you or someone here today is struggling with the thought of, of having an abortion, or maybe you have had an abortion, please know that there are people here in this church, there's people in the area who want to help you. There is a God who forgives. And there is a way out. You don't have to live with the scars and the pain any longer. Um, there is not anything too big that God can't forgive. The ground is definitely level at the foot of the cross. First of all, let me say that uh, I have so much respect for the courage it takes to share the deepest, darkest moments of our lives publicly. Um, and that goes for Jessica. It goes for everybody who's going to share their testimony throughout the comeback series. But it also goes to you, if even if you're sharing it one-on-one, -on -one, it, it takes courage to open up and to to share the most difficult things. And I do want to say, look, I get this subject is heavy and it can invoke some strong emotions in people and things, but I want to make sure I make this point. The point of sharing her testimony, it's not to make a splash. It's not, and it certainly is not to invoke any shame or guilt in anybody else. In fact, quite the opposite. The point of sharing Jessica's testimony this today with you, the point is this. We want you to know that no matter what it is in the past, I get it, your story probably looks nothing like Jessica's or maybe it looks like Jessica's. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. What we want you to know this morning is that it doesn't matter. What we want you to know today is not that you should be carrying the guilt and shame, but that there is a freedom in Jesus Christ, that he desires to make you different today, that just as Saul the murderer was set free from the labels and the shame and the guilt of the past, and just like Jessica was set free from the labels that she was placing on herself, the shame and the guilt that she was forcing herself to carry, just like she found freedom, you need to know there is freedom here for you too as well. And that is what God wants you to have this morning. Reading also from 2 Corinthians again, I want to share from, verse or from chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Here's the deal. God loves us enough to accept us just as we are, but he loves us too much to just leave us just as we are. God instead wants you to be free where you once were stuck to the labels of the past. He wants to completely transform your life and who you are. And so this morning, to be made new, 
Step one is to be transformed. To be made new, be transformed. This past summer, Jen and I had an opportunity to go on a second honeymoon, and we went uh, to Morocco, a, a country we'd never been to before. And uh, the people there were just so awesome, so wonderful, kind, generous people that would do anything for you. And uh, they were just so sweet. There was just this great spirit about them. Um, but I remember one conversation as we were uh, in a van on a side day, on a day trip and uh, talking with the driver and talking about our travels. And at one point, Jen asked him, you know, if you could travel anywhere, where would you go? And immediately his face lit up and he started talking about his dream of traveling to India and how he would just, that was like his dream vacation. He would love to go to India. And then all of a sudden his, his, kind of, his countenance changed. And there was a bit of a sadness that came over him as he started to explain to us that he had no hope of ever leaving his country. You see, to be Moroccan means you're not free to leave. You can't travel. You cannot leave the country. The only people that get visas to travel are the extremely wealthy who own lots of property because they know they've got too much to lose to not come back. And so they don't even let you into the airport. Like you're not even the front door. Like we went through so many layers of security to leave, it was insane. And one of the layers is just to get in the front door of the airport in Marrakesh, Morocco, we had to go through, we had to produce our, our boarding pass, our passports, we had to send our baggage through screening and go through security. You're thinking, well, we do that in America too. No, we did that just to get in the front door. If you're not flying today, you're not even entering the lobby. Okay? You are not allowed in. And that was not the security to get on the plane. We then had to go through all the other security things again two more times, and they checked, our, they checked our passport and boarding pass probably at least a half dozen times we had to go through boarding pass and security checks um, just to get on our plane. They're serious, and so to be Moroccan means you're stuck. You're not free to leave. Now, they actually have it better than some countries in their area, and, and they know it, but... There's also this sadness because that label defines who they are. To be Moroccan defines who they are. It reminds me of uh, the quote that came from uh, Al Pacino playing Michael Corleone in The Godfather 3. Um, I never saw this movie, oddly, but I've heard this quote in a million different TV shows and movies since. I researched to find where it started. And the quote was simply, you know, just when I thought I was out, they keep pulling me back in. And uh, I guess I can only think, I, I always think of Seinfeld when I hear that because they had a whole episode where they kind of did that thing. Anyway, um, but I've heard it a billion times, but oftentimes we feel this way. We're like Moroccans spiritually. Like we feel like we're so tied to our old identity, to who we are, that we can't ever be free. Isn't that pretty much what Jessica shared there earlier? That she felt like she could never be forgiven or be made free. And so too often that's what happens. And you know what it takes though? We need a complete transformation. We need to be willing to let God take our complete identity away from us and change it. 
Saul had to become somebody completely different. He could no longer be the person he once was. He could no longer hold on to the things of the past. And today, maybe you're having trouble letting go of, of a sin of the past. Maybe the sins of your past are the sins of your present too, because there's something you just can't seem to stop. Or maybe it's the guilt and shame of a, something that, that you did in the past that you just can't seem to let go, the old identity. Or maybe it's, maybe it's something that happened to you but you still can't seem to let go of the old you, of what had happened to you, of being a victim. And so I ask you this morning, what labels are you holding on to from your past that you need to let go of today? Thief, cheat, addict, angry, lonely, desperate, victim, harsh, judgmental? What parts of the old you have you continued to hold on to because, because either you didn't want to let go or you just felt like you couldn't? No one will ever believe it anyway. And just when you think you're free, you feel like you're pulled right back in. Have you ever had it happen? You're going along and you think you're good. You think you're different. You think you've changed. And then someone comes along, a friend, a family member, Maybe even somebody you don't know says something to you that just reminds you and makes you feel like that label has just been put right back on you again because you're still carrying the weight of that label of your past. And so this morning, I want to ask a question right now and then circle back to it in a few minutes. And the question is this. If there was one thing about me that was guaranteed for God to change this morning in my life, what would it be? Here's what I mean. If there's one thing about you that you could change by simply saying, God, here it is. This is what I want changed today in my life. This is where I want to be different. What would it be? Now, I'm not talking, don't, I'm not talking about frivolous things like how much money you have what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in or apartment you have. I'm talking about real things about you. What would you change about yourself if I could guarantee you that God were going to change it instantly this morning? What would it be that you would want him to change? If you don't have an answer to that question, you need to spend the rest of this sermon while I'm preaching thinking about it because... I, I've got a couple of things I could list, put on that list. My hard part is how do I narrow it? You might spend the rest of the sermon trying to narrow it down to one thing, right? Uh, some of us uh, that, that have multiple issues, you know. But here's the thing. Here's the good news. God does not intend to leave you the way he found you this morning. He wants to change you today. He wants to take that away from you. He wants you to be transformed we must lose our old identity today, our old way of defining ourselves. Where we once were stuck, we are now free. Where we once were spiritually stuck, like the Moroccans are physically, we can now be free in Jesus Christ. Saul went from Saul the murderer to Paul the apostle after the scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored, 
he began to change his actions, his life, what he did. And he began different. And people began to see that he was acting different. He became a leader in the church there. Eventually, they saw so much in him, they sent him out as a missionary. He became the most incredible church planter in the history of the Christian church. And he went from town to town planting churches. And the key here is... Not only did he submit to a transformation, not only was he willing to walk away from the old life, but he took action to become something new. He took action to live differently. You see, if you want to be made new, we need to be transformed. And if we want to be made new, we have to live new. Not to just let go of the old life, but God also intends to transform us into something new. It's kind of like the caterpillar. You know, caterpillars crawl on the ground amongst the dirt and the junk and the sticky stuff and all of that stuff all over the ground. And as they're crawling in the dirt, eventually they go into a cocoon and they look ugly in the cocoon. I always look at a cocoon and I think, it looks like the fly that's caught in the spider web and is about to be eaten, right? But then something amazing happens when it comes out of the cocoon. It becomes this beautiful butterfly, and it can do something it never could as a caterpillar. It can fly. And here's the deal. Not only does God want to get rid of your old life, he wasn't just greeting Saul so that he could eradicate the old Saul. He also wanted Saul to fly. He wanted Saul to be uh, uh, the butterfly. And so here's the deal. It's time it's time for us to stop crawling around in the dirt and the junk and start to fly like God has created us to. Jesus died and, was rose, and rose again. He was not defined by his death. He was defined by his death and resurrection. Saul was not defined by being a murderer. He was defined by becoming Paul the apostle. Jessica is not defined by the weight of the guilt and shame she carried, but what she is now and has become in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. We read it earlier as part of an earlier scripture, but I want to go back to it right now. And this is what verse 15 and 16 said. It said, And Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This scripture leaves us with two things this morning I wanna emphasize. Number one, to regard no one from a worldly point of view means this, you're changed, so start acting like it. Don't look at yourself through the eyes of what you used to be anymore. It's time to start recognizing that, look, other people may, may not be convinced right away like they were with Saul. I guarantee you some of those Christians were not convinced the second he walked in and said, hey, guess what? I'm blind and I'm no longer your executioner. Yeah, right. But eventually they will see the change, okay? You're no longer created to crawl around in the dirt. When you're transformed, you're not just... The caterpillar doesn't 
just die inside that cocoon. Instead, it's transformed into something new and reborn as a butterfly. And today, that's you. And so, take action. If you're struggling today with a sin that you just can't seem to let go of, find accountability. Talk to somebody. Make a change in your life. If you're tired of acting a certain way, act differently. Get somebody to help you, hold you accountable to your new actions. Put the old labels aside and find a new one. A son or a daughter of Jesus Christ. A son of God, a daughter of God. Here's the other side of that scripture. You're not allowed to view yourself anymore the way the world does. You're also not allowed to view anyone else that way either. So here's the deal, guys. If you want other people to cut you a break and see you as something new and something different, you have to do the same for others. Paul desperately, as he sat there as Saul, blind, helpless, he desperately, I'm sure, wanted people to believe that his heart had been changed. And I can only imagine the joy he felt when Ananias came in and spoke new life into him and said, you are no longer murderer Saul, you are my brother Saul. Ananias saw something different in him. So guess what? Jesus no longer looks at you with the labels of the past. You need to cut others a break and not look at them with the labels of the past. We don't want, it's easy to say, cut me some slack, don't, don't label me like I used to be. It's not always so easy to give the same away, but that's our job today as well. So I'm gonna pray in a few moments here, but I wanna circle back to the question I asked earlier, if you could be guaranteed to have God change one thing about you right here, right now, today, what would it be? And as we pray, I want to pray with you and for you and, and for myself too. Here's what I want to do. If First of all, if you are here and you have never had an experience with God, you don't have God in your life and you know it, but you want God in your life today. I want you to know it's, it's simple because you don't have to do, you know, you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to pray fancy prayers. But when we pray in a few moments, all you have to do is in your own heart, in your own way, is tell God, God, you know what? I, I need you in my life. He's not impressed by fancy language. So what difference does it make? Just let him know. God, I don't have you, but I want you. I don't have you, but I need you. However you want to say it, let him know you need him today. And then could you do me a favor? We would love to just cheer you on and support you in that decision. So if that's you today, there's an envelope in your program and there's a box on it that says, I made a decision to follow Christ today. You could check that box off and drop it if you don't have time. But, it, but if you could, we would love to have you actually just stop by uh, in the lobby. There's a Raise to Life banner and somebody would be there. They'd love that chance to 
talk with you today about this awesome decision you're making. Uh, either that or you can come down front at any time throughout the remainder of the service and our prayer team will be down there. And I'd like to take a moment and invite the prayer team to come down. And, and next, I want to address those of you. And so if the prayer team could come down now. I know that there's some people here today that maybe this testimony and this subject have evoked some really strong and difficult things in your heart and in your life. Maybe you need somebody to help you and you don't know where to turn. I would love for you to be connected with our care team. We have a care team here at LifeHouse that is trained to help people in counseling situations, to help you either give you the help that you need or get you connected where you can get that help if they can't provide it. Our prayer team can also get you connected with our care team, but also you can see the email address up here on the screen, care at lifehousechurch.org. You can email them. You can do it right now on your phone if you wanted to. And they will get back to you and get you in touch or our prayer team's down front for the remainder of the service. For anybody, if you need somebody to pray with you, they're here. So finally, I, I also, for all of us, what is that one thing? Is it a sin that we've been holding on to that we just haven't let go of because we feel like we can't control the urge or because we just don't want to give it up? Is it the shame of something we've done in the past? The hurt from something that happened to us in the past? Or something else? I don't know. But how did you finish that sentence? Right now, let's all bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, God, I pray right now. First, for those who are saying to you for the first time that they need you in their life, God, I celebrate with them this great decision and I pray that you would give them an assurance in their heart right now that you love them and accept them, that you accept them just as they are, but that you love them too much to just leave them be the person they are. God, we thank you for all of us, God, and right now we pray. However we finished that sentence, God, we lift it to you. God, I pray for those who are hurting here today. God, I pray that right now that you would lift the guilt, the shame, the hurt, and the labels of the past, the labels we've put on ourselves, the labels others have put on us. God, in your name, we reach out. And God, I pray freedom to be poured out in lives. Lord God, that felt they were stuck when they walked in here today. God, don't let any one of us leave here today the way we came in. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.